Well, thank you, Pastor. And wow, it's great to be here tonight. I really have been looking uh, forward uh, to coming. Um, I've been anticipating it for a while. In fact, it was a couple of weeks ago, I felt the Lord gave me a word uh, for you, and I preached it at my own church last week. So uh, I practiced on them what the Lord has given me for you. Um, I want you to know that uh, I love this church. I love your pastor and his wife. And I've come tonight to add value to you as much as I can. Your pastor has added great value uh, to my life. And I just so appreciate him. And tonight I have an outline, not, oh, not an outline, I do have a PowerPoint for you tonight. And I'm just trusting God's going to do something uh, for us this evening. I do have a prophetic word that God gave me. I'm going to save it till uh, the end of my sermon tonight. Uh, I really appreciate your pastor. Uh, when I read his bio, it could have been mine. Really, it's, it's very similar. He loves world missions. Uh, I love world missions. I've traveled uh, many miles, many different countries around the world. In fact, uh, right now, I am doing a, they started a new school, a Bible school. It's called Re Revival Mission School. And uh, uh, it's out of, really out of Pakistan. And it's an online thing. And uh, they thought they were going to get about 50 students as a month ago. And uh, 481 actually registered for the school. And I'm one of the uh, teachers uh, for that school. And uh, I've already done two weeks. Last week, uh, 700 people watched it around the world. So it's a very exciting. I still love missions. I'm still involved with missions. Um, your pastor is into raising the next generation. They're all right here. Totally awesome just to see you all. Uh, and he's uh, uh, equips leaders and does all those things. And uh, that's what my desire is. And Pastor Penn has really strengthened me in so many uh, different ways. Uh, he's a wordsmith. I love that. There's silversmiths and coppersmiths, but he's a wordsmith. And uh, I really got to see that as I began to read his books and a number of books, his books have really uh, have helped me. Uh, there's one on forgiveness that I've passed out many of those. And Communion on the Moon, that was, that was great. And some of his discipleship books. In fact, uh, one of his quotes that I use often is, all disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. Isn't that good? And I know he's into raising uh, disciples. I love reading his books, and I love passing them out. Uh, let me just give you a little something about myself. Uh, my wife, uh, Judy, is here tonight. Last Friday, we were married 44 years. And uh, when you talk about grace, God's given her amazing grace, greater grace, more than enough grace to live with me. And uh, uh, I love her. We've been together for many years. We uh, minister together. Uh, both of us uh, are still full-time in the church. Uh, I, I started our church. It was actually at 25 people in it in 1984. Uh, we're still there. My son, Jonathan, uh, who now is the lead pastor. I'm the real senior pastor, if you know what I mean. And uh, I am full-time, but I'm released more now to the body of Christ. And two and a half years ago, Jonathan took the church 
and I'm committed there uh, at least once a month on Sunday mornings. I still preach once a month. I preach during the week. I teach different courses. Uh, but he's allowed me to be released to the body of Christ. And until the coronavirus hit in March, for two and a half years, I was every month I was out someplace, uh, either around the world or in the country. So God uh, is still uh, using me, and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm definitely grateful for uh, being here uh, tonight. I have four children and six grandchildren. Now, just to give you an idea, my age, my oldest grandchild just graduated from high school the last couple of days ago, and they're going to college now. So I have six grandchildren, four children, and one beautiful wife. Someone say amen. Okay. The uh, title of my message today is Strengthen Each Other. And when I came in tonight, I realized, wow, yeah, this is... This is a church that would readily receive that because that's what you really do. I want to talk to you about those things that weigh on your heart. The memories of past regrets, failures, and pain. Because unless we deal with them, it's going to be hard for us to strengthen other people. Romans 8.28 says that God causes all things to work together for our good. That's all things. That includes the hurtful decisions and the unfortunate events that are part of your story. A lot of times we ignore those things, but they really can affect us. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for Wellspring Fellowship. Thank you for this beautiful building that you gave them. Thank you for this great congregation. Thank you for your past, for the pastors and the leadership here. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you that you would assist me now that we would bring honor and glory to the Father and Son. In Jesus' name, amen. How often have you looked at your past mistakes and lost hope? Believing that as a result of your sin, or the trauma you have experienced, you missed out on God's goodness in your life. Oh, because of that event that it went to, or what I did, you know, God is not going to use me, or I'm not going to be effective for him. You have missed out on God's plan for your life, and uh, those thoughts come to you. Yet, that isn't what God says about you. God says that he says that the plans he has for you are for good and not for evil, for a future and a hope. I want you to listen to me tonight. The Lord takes everything in our life and weaves it together to produce the blessing of his purpose. He looks at all of our things. Success is not where you are at today. Success is the journey that brought you to that place where you're at today. And we continue to be on that journey. It's the good things, it's the bad things, it's uh, the things that we uh, have misconstrued in our life, and it's the things that God wants to do in our lives that has brought us to the place we are at today. So how does God able to redeem those things in your life that you feel that, well, 
you know, I'm not really sure God could use me because of that. How does God's plan to redeem your story and the story of other believers come to play in you tonight? I want us to take a look at Peter tonight. And let's see how he redeemed the story of Peter, the great apostle, and how God used him and how he wants to use you. I'm going to read part of the story of the Last Supper, the last time Jesus was with all of his friends, all of his disciples. Just before uh, Jesus tells them that uh, he, during the Last Supper, he'll tell, he tells them that one of them is going to betray him. And they began questioning, who is it? Who could it be? And it's interesting. They say all that. Jesus tells them that. And the disciples are arguing about which one of them is going to be the greatest. They just went from one thing, wanting to know who is going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the, the greatest apostle? We're going to look at chapter uh, 22 of the book of Luke. I'll be actually reading from the Passion Translation uh, this afternoon. And uh, we're going to just uh, take a look at that. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has demanded to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. This is an interesting passage. In English, we use the word you for both plural and singular. It's not like that in other languages. Here the word you in Greek is plural. So Jesus was saying, Satan desires to sift all of you disciples like wheat. Sifted like wheat means to put them to difficult times. Jesus was already telling them that. Jesus knows about difficult times. He knows about trials and he knows about testing. This is after about three and a half years of Jesus ministering and Remember, Jesus was tested by certain Satan during his ministry, not just in the 40 days, but tested in, in, in many different ways. And he knew what he was talking about. He knew when he was speaking to the, his disciples, his apostles. In the next verse, however, you is singular. At this point, Jesus singles out Peter himself. First, he talked to the group. And now he's speaking to Peter. In verse 32, But I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. But Lord Peter replied, I'm ready to stand with you to the very end, even if it means prison or death. Jesus looked at him and prophesied, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. I want you to just think about that day. Imagine how the other disciples must have felt when they heard this. Their spokesman, their leader would publicly deny Jesus. It's Peter who was their leader. If a strong man like leader 
was going to fail the Lord, what hope was there for the rest of them? Let me give you some of my observations about Peter and hopefully will help you this evening. Number one, Peter was fundamentally loyal. We know the end of the story, and we see that Peter's courage failed, but not his faith. It wasn't his faith that failed. Jesus said, I'm going to pray that your faith would not, that your faith would remain. His courage failed, but not his faith. He was restored to fellowship and was greatly used to strengthen God's people. We know that because we know the rest of the story. Listen, Peter, in spite of his denial, was fundamentally loyal to Jesus. No matter what Peter did, however terrible his failure, he was passionately devoted to Jesus. There is hope for the person who even after their sin is still desiring the goodness of the Lord. I've seen this in many people's lives. I've been in full-time ministry ever. Uh, we got married. We, uh, Judy graduated from Buffalo State College. She's a, a teacher, special ed teacher. I graduated at that time from Roberts Wesleyan College. And we got married and went right into the ministry. I did have a secular job for a while, but I was in the ministry. And I've been ministering for all of these years. And I've met many people. But you know, I've met many people that were devoted to the Lord and then fell away and never saw them again. But I've seen other people that maybe they have erred, they've fallen away, but then been restored because they were grieved for their sin, but then eventually came back to him. There's hope for the person who even after their sin is still desiring the goodness of the Lord. I remember myself, I became a Christian while I was in the military. I was a medic at Fort Meade, Maryland, between Baltimore and Washington, and I got saved, radically saved, uh, and uh, I was on fire for God. I was witnessing and sharing the gospel with everybody on base and off, off base, and just witnessing and just declaring God's strength, and I saw many people get saved. And God even gave me a gift of healing back then while I was a medic at Fort Meade, Maryland. Well, I got discharged from the Army and came back to my home in Buffalo, New York. And when I was back home, I was with some of my friends, and there was a, a date that I went on. I thought I'd take out this young lady. And we were just really friends before, and I thought I'd just uh, take her out that night and take her out to dinner. And... I had on my car a big sticker, big, it was in silver with black letters that says, you must be born again. And you know, before I went to her house, I was a little embarrassed about that sticker. I began to think, oh man, I don't know what she's got. Here I am, the big bold guy that was preaching and witnessing, and I started to scrape it off my window. And finally, I came to my senses. I didn't scrape the whole thing off. But I remember that. I, I became cowardly, at least for a little bit. And I know how it is to want to serve him, but then we back off for whatever reason. My courage waned, 
I didn't want to offend the girl. My courage failed for a moment, but I recovered and left most of the sticker on. I know what it is to do that. Number two, Peter was overconfident. Verse 33, but Lord Peter replied, I am ready to stand with you to the very end, even if it means prison or death. Jesus just told him what was going to happen. He said, oh no, I'm going to stand with you even if it means prison or death. The psalmist says in Psalm 139.4, even before a word is on my tongue, he knows it completely. Jesus already knew. He tried to communicate that to Peter. Peter's self-confident boasting should serve as a warning to all of us. None of us really know our own heart. It says in Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who really knows it? I want to just say this. We can fall in the point of our greatest strengths. If we say that is one thing I will never do, that's often the very thing against which we must carefully guard. Satan is subtle. He attacks the point at which people are too sure of themselves. And it's there where they're likely going to be attacked. We need to be aware of areas of our life, even strengths. Our strengths can become our weakness. Listen, Abraham's greatest strength was his faith. Yet his faith failed him when he went down to Egypt and lied about Sarah, his sister. Moses' strength was his meekness. He was the meekest man that ever lived, his humility. Yet he lost his temper, spoke and acted rashly, and therefore was not allowed to enter the promised land. Peter was a brave man, but his courage failed him, and he did just what Jesus said he would do. Jesus tried to warn him. Verse 34, Jesus looked at him and prophesied, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Jesus informed Peter clearly what the test would be. He told him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter could have escaped the trap of Satan. He needed to be circumspect, cautious, careful. Jesus already warned him, but he was overconfident and failed to depend on God for help to overcome the temptation. Jesus already warned him. He succumbed to the pressures of the circumstance. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Actually, all the disciples would forsake Jesus, the Bible tells us. But Peter would also deny him. It's a humbling lesson for all of us. Number three, Peter had courage. He really did. In all fairness, we need to remember that 
Peter was one of the two disciples who had the courage to follow Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. If you read that whole chapter in 22, it's a great chapter. It does talk about the Last Supper, but it talks about a number of other things too. Also, Peter was the one who had the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God in Matthew 16. Who do people say that I am? And they said all these different things, Elijah and so forth. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Simon Barjona, the father in heaven has revealed this to you. Peter was with James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration when the Shekinah glory was revealed in Jesus, where God the father said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Peter was around for all of these great things. Peter was the only disciple who attempted to walk on water. Listen, Peter fell to a temptation that could only have come to a brave person. I have on the PowerPoint for you, a person of courage always runs more risk than the one who seeks a place of safety. Why is that? Because a brave person, a courageous person, is going to take risks that other people won't take. But it also puts him in a place where he could fail, where he could fall. Liability to temptation is the price that we pay when we are adventurous in mind and action. So my word is beware. Beware where you're at because God's plans for you are for good and not for evil, for a future and a hope. But he wants you to be aware of areas in your life that you need to be circumspect. Paul says, be circumspect. That means look around, be aware. Peter, uh, Jesus already told them that, you know, you need to pray that you could uh, avoid the temptation. But Peter wasn't listening. He wasn't circumspect. He wasn't watching what could happen. Number four, Jesus felt sorrow for Peter. You know, this is a beautiful thing, really. Jesus felt sorrow when Peter denied him. I'm going to read you scriptures that are not on the screen because I want you to get the picture of the whole scene that happened. And it's, I'm in Luke 22, verses 54 uh, to 60. I'm going to read them to you. You can look them up uh, if you want. It's in, I'm reading from the, for tonight. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. The religious leader seized Jesus and led him away. But Peter followed from a safe distance. They brought him to the home of the high priest where people were already gathered out in the courtyard. Someone had built the fire, so Peter inched closer and sat down among them to stay warm. A girl noticed Peter sitting in the firelight. Staring at him, she pointed him out and said, this man is one of Jesus' disciples. Peter flatly denied it, saying, what are you talking about, girl? I don't know him. First denial. A little while later, 
someone else spotted Peter and said, I recognize you. You're one of his. I know it. Peter again said, I'm not one of his disciples. Second denial. About an hour later, someone else identified Peter and insisted he was a disciple of Jesus, saying, look at him. He's from Galilee, just like Jesus. I know he's one of them. But Peter was adamant. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. While the words were still in his mouth, the rooster crowed. Verse 61, now you have it on the PowerPoint. At that moment, the Lord, who was being led through the courtyard by his captors, turned around and gazed at Peter. I wanted you to see the whole story. Turned around and gazed at Peter. All at once, Peter remembered the words Jesus had prophesied over him. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter burst into tears, ran off from the crowd, and wept bitterly. Wow. This was the sign of true repentance, brokenness. It says in Psalm 51, what the Lord desires is a broken heart, a contrite heart. And Peter had that at that time. The soft and forgiving look in Jesus' eyes broke Peter's heart. I want you to hear what I'm saying this afternoon. When Jesus met Peter by the sea after the resurrection in John 21, it's a proof of what happened. Jesus looked at Peter. Peter was broken in spirit, began to weep. He repented. In John 21, Jesus did not rebuke him or condemn him for his betrayal. It's a great chapter at the end. My wife and I just listened to that on the way here today. And how we were there, and he encouraged Peter and strengthened Peter. Jesus did not rebuke him or condemn him for his betrayal. Instead, he helped him to recall and rededicate himself to the love and zeal he had for the Lord, and to stand strong in his faith. You see, Jesus' care for you is one of love and compassion. Jesus modeled how to strengthen each other in, this, in John 21. Jesus did not speak to Peter in anger, but looked at him in sorrow. I have a quote from William Barclay, he says this, the penalty of sin is the face, the penalty of sin is the face, not the anger of Jesus, but the heartbreak in his eyes. If you fall and you fail, don't think about the anger of Jesus, but think about the love of Jesus, his compassion, how he turned to Peter after denying him three times and gazed at him with love and compassion. And that brought Peter to forgiveness and repentance. And that's what God is calling us to do, the same thing. And number five, Jesus 
encouraged Peter. Jesus said an amazing thing to Peter. When you have turned back to me, strengthen the faith of your brothers. It is, if Jesus had said to Peter, you will deny me and you will weep tears, but the result will be that you will be better able to help your brothers who are going through it. This is what I want to share with you in the next couple of moments. It was said of Jesus in Hebrews 2.18, he can help others who are going through it because he has been through it himself. It's a paraphrase of Hebrews 2.18. says of Jesus, he can help others who are going through it because he has been through it himself. Yet he was without sin. He was tempted in every single way. And he could help us in every area of our life because he's been tempted in that way, though he did not sin. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what is happening. I want you to hear me. To experience the shame of failure and disloyalty is not all loss because it gives us a sympathy and an understanding that otherwise we would never have received. Verse 32. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Peter, give them a fresh start. You heard this morning from Pastor Chris, restart. Jesus told Peter, after you come back, after you repent, after you're restored, Peter, he said, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Peter, give them a fresh start. Listen, that's what God wants from us. The most beautiful thing I see here in this church is that. You strengthen each other when you pray for each other. You strengthen each other when you encourage one another. It says in Hebrews 10.24, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Your pastor has given you a creative way when you pray in the beginning of these services. That's like, it's, you're not, you're praying for each other, but you're encouraging one another. You're listening to one another. You're hearing what your brother or sister is going through, and you're able to pray for them. How can you respond in order to make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers and sister? Number one. Repent and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, turn back to Jesus and be restored. Get a restart in your life. Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I heard this morning you had water baptism. Absolutely. Repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.19, 
Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. As you do that, repentance is not a bad word. It's a great word. Because when you repent, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. When you repent, as Peter did, then God is able to help you to strengthen other people. And lastly, be a conduit of strength to the body of Christ. John 7.37 says this, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water can be whatever your brother or sister needs at the time. Healing, deliverance, encouragement, faith, comfort, wisdom, and even a miracle. Last Saturday, Pastor Judy and I, because of this, the coronavirus, um, she was not able to have children's church. So we would, on Saturdays, deliver we, two, two and a half hours, we delivering packets to kids that she um, oversees. And we're at this one home, and this one brother actually from Africa, Ethiopia, um, came out, and he was there, and he said, oh, I just have such a terrible headache. He said he was in so much pain, he could barely stand up. He's telling us this. And uh, Pastor Judy said, can I pray for you? And he prayed for, she prayed for him right there and healed, healed him. Oh, I wasn't with her. She told me about it. And later on in the afternoon, we were in our pool swimming, Judy and myself, and she told me about it. I said, well, did you, have you found out if he got healed because he was in so much pain? And she said, no, I didn't do that. So I said, call him up. So she calls him up while we're in the pool. And uh, uh, I think his name was Tesray or Tesfay from Ethiopia. And uh, she said, Tesfay, how, how are you? He said, oh, when you laid hands on me and prayed for me, I got healed and totally delivered. So, you know, rivers of living water could be whatever the need is that brothers and sisters have. Make it your life mission to strengthen your brother or your sister. Finally, let me just share you a couple of other thoughts that Pastor Judy had last week. She said, Make a decision to follow Christ. If you're here tonight and you have never followed Christ, or you've heard about it but never really made a commitment to him, make that decision to follow Christ. Or if you're here tonight and maybe you have erred in some way, you've fallen away, make that decision to come back to Christ because Jesus looks at you with compassion and love, not with anger but with compassion and love and wants you to come back to him to be restored so that you could be a conduit of love and compassion and healing and deliverance and receive his grace. That is God's power to impart strength so we can endure trials and resist temptations and persevere. It says in Galatians 6, 9 on the PowerPoint, and let us not grow weary while doing good. 
For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I want to encourage you tonight. Make it your life mission. Not just, I'm going to strengthen my brothers and sisters, but I love how it says in the Passion Translation, make it your life mission to strengthen, to encourage, to impart life, to impart encouragement to brothers and sisters. Who wants to be around negative people? Nobody. We want to be around people that encourage us and strengthen us. That doesn't mean you don't speak the truth in love. At times, that needs to happen. But make it your life. Listen, there's more people that are down and out, more people that feel discouraged. And we make it, if we make that life mission, our life mission to do that, God will bless it. Okay, I'm going to be praying for people in just a, a couple of minutes. But let me give you uh, a word I felt the Lord gave me uh, two weeks ago. Um, Sunday before our services, we were all praying together. Uh, we were doing, today we were live. Uh, but two weeks ago, it was a live streaming, but we had our team, our ministry team, was in, the, was in the sanctuary like this before the service. And I was just, my son was praying, and I was just there amongst them, and I felt the Lord speak to me about Wellspring Fellowship. And I'm going to read a couple of scripture verses, but this is the one that came to me immediately, and I'm going to do my best to give you what I felt the Lord gave me. In Philippians 1.6, I know you know that scripture, but I want you to listen to it in the Passion Translation. Paul says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you, Wellspring Fellowship, will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. I felt the Lord say to you, this congregation, this young congregation, that the good work that he began in you, he's going to complete it. And I love how it says this in this, who will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of Jesus. And I'm going to read from Joshua Wellspring Fellowship. Not only will we complete the work, but the Lord says to you tonight, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous in order to act carefully in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn aside from it to the right or to the left so that you may succeed, that is, you may prosper, have success and act wisely. We saw the law. We're talking about the word. Pastor, encourage you tonight about reading the word. You know, we need to read the word daily. We need to pray. Praying in tongues. Is, I pray in tongues every single day. And I've been praying in tongues every... Now, when I say every day, I'm sure I've missed a day or two. But every day, I pray in tongues. And sometimes I could pray an hour in tongues. When I used to drive to Elam every week for 10 years, I was the president of Elam Fellowship. I'll, I just love it. I pray in tongues for the whole hour, mostly, all the time. 
So you need to read the words. You need to pray. You need to pray in the spirit. It builds you up. It encourages you. And it says, um, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord God, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, I give you thanks for this congregation. Lord, I thank you that the good work you began in them, that, Lord, you will continue it. And, Lord, I thank you for each and every person, Lord, that's represented here. I thank you for the leadership, Father, of this church. I thank you, Lord, that the good work you began, you will complete it. And, Lord, I say to them tonight by the Spirit of the living God, do not be discouraged. Do not be disappointed. For he that began this work will complete it. For he has done a work in you for the glory of God. He has raised up this church. He has raised up this fellowship to be a lighthouse to not only this area, but to the nations, saith the Lord. I have called this church to represent me in every area of life. I've called you to represent me in the schools. I've called you to represent me in the workplace. I've called you to represent me in the marketplace, says the Lord. And I shall do it. I shall complete it. And as you would, as you would call out on me, the Lord says, I will answer you in the day of trouble, and I will bring encouragement and strength in your life, saith the Lord. Pastor and Heather, I honor you tonight. I don't know how long you've been doing. How long have you been doing this at this church? 11 years. I just honor you. You are a wordsmith. You're a man of God, uh, known all around the world, uh, written many books. But, you know, what's more than writing books is the living the life. And this couple lives that life. You see, we are a book ourselves. And just being around Pastor and his wife, they just glow with the things of God. And I honor you tonight. And Father, I just bless Penn and I bless Heather tonight. And Lord, I just thank you for them. And Lord, I just thank you that, Lord, you're working in them for the glory of God. Lord, I thank you they've just begun. They've just begun. It's been 11 years, but it's like the, it's like a... That they have a restart in their lives, as the pastor preached on this morning. And Lord, I just pray for your grace and strength in them. In Jesus' name.